Hello guys, this is episode number 38 of Latino Vegano. Thank you so much guys. It's been a great, great, great week. And today I wanted to show you you guys an interview that I had with Ray Dale Hernandez. He's a first generation Cuban American, was a meat eater with a chronic gout disease. His doctor told him that he needed, he needed literally to change his lifestyle to be able to reverse his disease. So the suggestion was you need to become vegan. If you do, you will never suffer from symptoms again and you will never develop heart disease. That's crazy. Ray Dollar Hernandez, an ex-meat eater who shares his vegan Cuban dishes based on his abuelita authentic family's recipe in his new book, It's Delicious, It's Vegan, It's Cuban. We talk about a lot of things, guys. It was very fun. Um, I want to be able to share some of these questions, some of the things that we talk we talk about how um, how how Raydell's health as a meat eater, and then the doctor's suggestion to become vegan. A little bit of the story behind it, uh, how Raydell researched and discovered the facts about animal products, eventually adopting a vegan lifestyle. How he made that transition, the importance of Cuban cuisine. Cubans and Raydell wants to keep the traditions of memories of the old Cuban alive via the food. So how food is important and how that engraved in our culture, and how people who really want to eat healthy but are afraid to make that sacrifice should be, they just need the right, right recipe. So his book kind of gives us a little bit more of the insight of what people need to do, how can people approach that. I don't want to prolong the whole intro. I just want to make sure that you guys are following me. The same thing I follow Rydell Project. Uh, we are on TikTok. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are on all social media platforms. All right, without further ado, I'm going to leave you guys we write that Hernandez, the first generation Cuban American, is delicious, is vegan, is Cuban. Let's go. So hey, um, so today's Thanksgiving, and um, for here in the U.S., for uh, for a lot of us, I call it Thanksgiving because you know we we try to promote living, not dead. Okay, so that oh, yeah, that's gonna be a different topic for a different time, but um. Before you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story, I want to know, like, what is the one of that memory of you and your grandma, your abuelita Pilar, that you have with, like, a great Thanksgiving moment, memory that you have? Uh, so many moments. Um, Thanksgiving, believe it or not, was not a giant holiday in my house. Really? Uh, I mean, we celebrated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Christmas, Christmas Eve, those were the big holidays. Thanksgiving, man, we, you know, what I remember from Thanksgiving as a kid is that we never had turkey. We, nobody liked turkey. <laughs> so, yeah, we had, we had to make the turkey taste yeah. like carne puerco, like un lechon. Sure. And she would do that and she would make it lechon style. And of course, we'd have the family over. Right. But Thanksgiving was like the only holiday that we had that was um, really just the core family. So whoever was in the house, that's yeah. just. At Thanksgiving, we had very few people come over for Thanksgiving. The bigger holidays were the religious ones. Mm, okay. So that's how that's how we did it in my house. But my my abuela Pilar, and uh, she's an interesting person. Right. And, uh, I miss her. I mean, I can't believe she's God. I mean, she's passed away years now, and yeah. I still have her on my mind, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, my my grandma passed away too, uh, and I actually feel like she a lot of the health issues that she had related to her food, kind of like something that you can relate to. 
And uh, she, she, she died of a stroke, actually. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. And it's sad in that sense because she was an amazing person, not only an amazing cook, but she was like always like, you know, how abuelitas are. They always there for you. They, mi hijo this, mi hijo that. And, and my, my, my grandma um, background is interesting because she was, um, she was originally, fr- she was born in Costa Rica from Jamaican descendants. And then she moved to Panama for work and just following her husband. And that's where my mom came and all that kind of happened. So my background is so like why, because it has like so many derivatives, like so many angles that you can hit it from different aspects. And then food was a big influence. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, that's, that's one thing that I, uh, I remember. So when I was reading your story, it kind of reminds me also of some of my story as well and how influential our grandmas are in our life. And with that say, I want to talk to you about how is that a doctor told you do you need to go vegan? That's mind boggling to me because in this day and age, it's, it's hard when you find a doctor that actually promotes or, yeah. or at least advise patients to go plant-based. Coming from a family with my sister's a doctor, so I completely understand how that is. And I had doctors in the show before, and I always ask that question, like, do y'all know anything about nutrition? And they were like, no, we didn't teach you nutrition in, in med school. So it's kind of it's kind of hard for them to to um, suggest holistic type of lifestyle. So how does that even happen? Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, I got a... <laughs> Incredibly lucky because yeah. I, I had no idea yeah. that my health is being affected by the food that I love. Mm. I mean, you know, just to backtrack a little bit, yeah. most Latin people, you know, food is a big part of your culture. Absolutely. You know, and it's part of your identity. I mean, you know, Cuban food, Panamanian food, everybody's got their twist. Right. Um, so I was suffering. I was suffering from gout and I didn't mm. know gout. Mm. I practiced judo. 27 years off and on so I, mm-hmm. I thought that i had injured my foot mm. and uh the first attack was uh pretty strong and uh, i didn't think much of it i, I dealt with it mm-hmm. and uh the second attack i think maybe the third attack made me go see a doctor because they happened you know one week after another it was yeah. like there was no break so i didn't uh, my my normal doctor didn't couldn't have an appointment for like right. another week so i went to a clinic that was near the house yep and uh, I met this woman and this doctor, I can't remember her name. I couldn't mm. say what her name is, but she changed my life. Mm. And she said to me, she sat me down. I'll never forget it. My foot, my toe was like this big and it was red and it was killing me. Wow. And she said, you know, I, I don't even have to give you a blood test. I know that you have gout. I've seen it. Wow. She said to me, yeah. I can give you medicine today. That'll make the gout go away mm-hmm. and you'll suffer from it again. But she said to me, the underlying cause is the food that you eat. Wow. And this is the thing that shocked me. She said, you're on track for a heart attack because these symptoms are, believe it or not, they're built into your body. Like your body genetically tells you when you're sick. Mm. So she said, these triggers are passed down from your parents to you. And uh, she said, she also said one thing that was that really sealed it for me. She said, gout prostate problems and kidney stones are all connected. They're all sisters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had had a kidney stone <laughs> before the gout attacks. And my father suffered from prostate problems and had a kidney stone all his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I connected the dots and she said it to me. She said, look, you know, you're, you're going to have to, at some point, consider being plant-based or vegan. Wow. Uh, I remember I was more upset about 
her telling me I had to be vegan <laughs> about having like heart disease. <laughs> right. like, what? No, but then I started to do research because uh, I couldn't believe what she told me. Yeah. Uh, I went to my doctor mm-hmm. and uh, my doctor was an old Italian doctor. You know, he didn't he didn't say much about the food at all. He just said, look, you know, this is you're getting older. I was 37 at the time. I'm 49 <laughs> now. Right. And he said to me, look, you know, there are certain things that are just the human condition. You get older, you get sick, your your genetics tie into these diseases. And that's a fact of life. And, uh, you know, at 37, I think I was in the best condition of my life. Like I was practicing judo three, four times a week. I was lifting. I was running Mm -hmm. like six miles every other day. Mm. And, uh. He told me that I was sick. <laughs> so I was like, you know, how much? I mean, I understand that, you know, f- being fit definitely helps. Right. Was fit, you know, and still had these problems. So that's where I began to explore. And uh, I, I don't know. I can't speak for most people. Mm-hmm. I don't believe anything anyone tells me. Mm. I have to research everything until I'm satisfied. Right. And uh, that's what I did. I researched it and I realized that. The minority of the doctors in the world, the minority are the ones that are telling you to change your diet. And the majority, for whatever reasons, whether it's, a, it's a, an incentive monetarily, mm. e-medicines or whatever the case is, they don't tell it to you, even though they may know it. Mm. Explanation, they don't say it. And uh, I was very lucky in that respect. You know, the woman set me straight and then I became obsessed with it. I wanted to to read everything I get my hands on and uh, see every documentary that I can see and, and, and judge for myself. And when I took the plunge, when I did it, finally, mm-hmm. my life changed. Mm-hmm. The gout went away. My blood pressure came down. I lost over the course of two years, about 55 pounds. I felt better. The weirdest thing of all of those things, the weirdest thing, mm-hmm. is how in shape you are, even if you don't exercise. You don't even have to exercise. Yeah. It's the strangest thing in the world. I don't even get sore. Like I tell I, my friends who lift weights, I don't have the time to lift anything lately because I'm I, I work full time and I wrote this book and I'm promoting mm-hmm. the book and I have two small children. Mm-hmm. I have no time to 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 lift anything. But when mm-hmm. I do lift, I don't get sore. Yeah, it never happens. It's the oddest thing in the world. So to me, that's confirmation that I'm eating the right things. Right. What you put in your body should affect your body positive way and that's all i've ever experienced from being a vegan is nothing but positive health and and strength where i didn't think i had strength i don't even need to sleep as much as i used to i don't get acid reflux anymore i mean the little things that improve are amazing and uh it inspired me to to write a book um i mean lots of things inspired me to write a book i mean obviously it's a tribute to my grandmother as well right and uh, my whole goal was I, I don't want to sacrifice good flavor and the food that I was eating. Right. I can't eat beef anymore or I can't eat pork anymore. So I experimented and I came up with all these, you know, these uh, substitutions. Yeah. And here we are. Just beautiful. Uh, that's a beautiful story. <laughs> that's a beautiful story. Like... <laughs> That's a beautiful story. I mean, so many things that I uh, I can take away from 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 your comment is is one thing that, that you just said. Going back to the fitness path, is um, a lot of people always say, 
well, you know, you're vegan, you you have to be fit and so on and so forth. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of people, like you said, they are fit, they are, they're, they're, they're practicing some other type of dietary choices, other type of diet. So I don't correlate necessarily the fitness aspect with with the with diet with dieting, especially with vegan veganism, because I mean you can accomplish those goals by just changing the, your your eating, you just changing yeah. your eating habit. And if you have poor diet when while you was eating, let's say a conventional diet, and you goes to vegan with a poor diet, you're gonna continue doing the same thing. So it's not it's not like you're gonna benefit one or another. However, if you remove the animal product, which are the some of the leading causes of a lot of the diseases that we have then you have a better chances of having a better health. You still have to make some ch- changes. And one more aspect from a, from a Latino standpoint or, or Hispanic Latin point is that we always, we so ingrained in our culture uh, and food plays a big part. You actually mentioned that also, how, how big, and I always talk about this, like if you go to any Latino country, they always have a, tip, uh, a baile typical, uh, uh, a music that is, that is contemporary to their culture. You have a costume, uh, you know, some clothes that is contemporary to the costume, just the same way in Cuba, Panama, whatever country you go, they have the same. And they have food is another aspect that plays a role there. It's the food that we, it's also part of a contemporary culture. Yeah. It is the same same thing. So when you tell a Latino, hey, you you need to stop eating meat, it's like, wow, wait a minute, what's going to happen? You, you, you're, <laughs> ripping, you're ripping my culture away from me. Yeah. We're not trying to do that. We're just trying to enhance it. You're just trying to get, make it better. Because some of that food is what's killing us. That's what's happening. Because yeah, not, yeah. Mm-hmm. not to interrupt you, but there's a we don't realize how brainwashed we are. Absolutely. You know, just because we're kids. I mean, from from the time we're children, mm-hmm. believe what your parents tell you. I and mean, you don't think your parents are ever gonna do any harm to you, not on purpose anyway. So you right. eat food that they give you, and you grow up that way thinking that it's completely normal to have goats or it's completely normal to have chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's really not. When you think about how your body reacts to it, it, it it's not normal. And, right. uh, and the health benefits are immediate. That's the other thing I always tell people. The minute you do it, the next day you start feeling better. And there's no medicine in the world that can do that for you. You know, there's just none. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tightrope. And yeah. you try to convince people. And it's, you know, it's, that's the hard part is convincing folks. Because you have the mm-hmm. brainwashing. Yeah. But I think Ray, we have to continue doing this 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 type of work, you know, like putting out books with recipes and and sharing our stories and and reaching out through social media and and just continue. It's gonna be a grind and it's gonna take some time because, like we always talk about our culture, how big it is in graving peoples and how brainwashed we are. Um, but th- this is what we have to continue doing because I don't think he, I don't think if we stop. It's just, it's not going to help us. The more we get out there and keep promoting and keep talking and keep putting out stuff in businesses and books and stuff like that, it's going to definitely help the cause. I wonder with that segue to, um, I get a lot of people that say, well, you can only talk because you live in the U.S. You don't know how the situation in Cuba is. So if you were living in Cuba, you won't be eating vegan. You will be eating what we have. Ha, Okay. I not I completely disagree because I had I, I have seen and hear from Cuban people that live in Cuba how the situation is being vegan. So I want to I want to talk from a vegan from a Cuban standpoint, you being Cuban, how it is, how is it, and how can we 
take away that myth and how your book can help people to realize that there is an option, even regardless if you live in Cuba, you live in America, you live in here or wherever you live. Well, in, in Cuba, under communism, I, I'm sure mm-hmm. that most people are vegetarian, vegan by default. <laughs> Look at this. They can't, but they, the reality of it is they can't afford to eat any meat. And as every Cuban that I speak to, mm-hmm. it is outlawed. Like you have to pay cash for it. And if mm-hmm. you're eating it without paying for it properly, mm-hmm. it's jail. Mm-hmm. So these people, and it's funny, like when you, when you start to really peel back the onion of all of this food and how it affects your life, you start to make connections. Now, I don't know, I have no scientific basis for this other mm-hmm. than anecdotal things that I've seen. Right. So do you remember in the 1990s, there was the Buena Vista Social Club that came out of Cuba, all the old Latin music that was uh, refound by the jazz guy. And then he made all these of all these old Cuban guys that were left behind that were singers. Correct. Yeah. One of the guys' name was Compay Segundo. Okay. Compay died. I think he was 96. OK. Mm-hmm. Asked him what the secret was to his longevity in communist Cuba. Right. He said it was. Easy, a little bit of rum, rice and beans, and a little bit of mutton. And when he says a little bit of mutton, he means very small amounts of meat because it's just not available. Mm. By segundo, in reality, was probably a vegetarian. Maybe 10% of his calories came from whatever animal they could find to eat. Mm. The rest of it is largely rice and beans and, and things that you can farm. Uh, that's my experience with, with Cubans, uh, with the Cubans from there. Uh, I think being a vegan is probably one of the easiest things in the world to do because everything is easy. Okay. Okay. The food is cheaper. The food is abundantly available. You, from a cup of rice, you make a giant meal for your family. I mean, everything is just easier. And, you know, it's almost like my aunt says it's, it's like we're eating the food that God intended us to eat. Right. And when you think about it, the economies of scale that it takes to feed an animal, to keep it on a farm, to cut down the trees, to water it, to then kill it and then distribute it. All of that is an amazing expense. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is have a field of potatoes and beans and just harvest it every year. Every, every vegetable that exists, you can plant in a garden and it'll grow almost anywhere. I mean, think about those things. No one ever takes a step back and goes, wow, it's so much easier to grow this mm-hmm. than it is to raise animals and feed them only to slaughter them. And you got to, you know, you got to think of all the waste that produces. I mean, to me, it's a, it's an obvious solution, right? But that now you're talking about giant, like bigger economic issues, mm-hmm. uh, which is more than most people want to tackle in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think like my book, for example, right? My book is all Cuban food, from appetizers, soups, what used to be chicken, what used to be beef, what used to be pork. In that book, I guarantee you there's a recipe that you're going to like. And if you can feed your family that way and realize that you don't need to have chicken for something that tastes kind of like chicken, then why bother? You know, it's, it's so much easier. And it's so much better for you. And, and quite frankly, it's less expensive. And like I said before, you, you cook these things in tremendous abundance. My family, I cook once a week. And we, we freeze things and there's always food available and none of it is bad for you. I don't even worry about my health anymore, Roger. I mean, do you think about your health? I don't worry about 
whether my blood pressure is high or whether my cholesterol is high, because it never is. And when I go to the doctor, right, the, doc, the same doctor I've been going to for the past 10 years, every time I go and he draws my blood and we get the, the results back, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I tell you every time I'm, I'm a vegan and all my numbers are perfect, but I'm not even trying. I'm just eating food. So if that doesn't tell you that it's, I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. You know, like I love meat and I loved all that stuff. So I've, I've converted a few people. Um, I, my, my intention of the book and it's on the title, it's for people who want to be a vegan, but don't know how to start. I think that's very important because lots of people, lots of people think that it's a mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, veganism, where do I even start? Like, I don't want to eat celery and push around salad and, and feel unsatisfied because let's be frank. I mean, lots of vegan cookbooks are like that. I mean, there's stews and their cauliflower steaks and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's very different to say, I'm going to eat arroz con pollo, you know, and it's a big satisfying meal with calories and none of it harms you that's right. from conversation right. yeah absolutely right I, I always tell people that um it's better to think about it like substituting more than than eliminating because we love arroz con pollo we just don't do it with the cruelty in it right right well there's <laughs> we no love... need to do it with the cruelty <laughs> yeah right yeah. right right so this is how we focus uh, um definitely our foods these days now. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that um, health-wise because, man, I want to talk about this so much because usually I never go to the doctor. I mean, I know people go to the doctor, which probably was probably wrong on my end. I, I, wanna, I mean, I don't want to tell people in the, in the audience, the fans that don't rely on medicine or don't go to the doctor if you have any type of sickness or whatever for checkups. This is just me and my personal uh, opinion i usually don't i don't go to the doctor not even if i feel like i have something bad or something happened that i need to go i i go i will go but what i'm saying is that like i feel i feel so healthy like i feel good and it's been this for so many years that i never go to the doctor and when i go like you say and they check they check me say everything is fine so it's just because of the food i eat the lifestyle that i keep so it's, it's a continual lifestyle that i've been doing for 19 20 years now so usually I don't I don't see the need to to go to the doctor to get um, checkers and say, hey, what are you doing? Because especially when I used to go to the doctor, they always used to say, well, why are you not eating meat? I'm like, wait a minute. If this is working, why should I go back and eat meat? Like, I, I don't want I don't want <laughs> I don't understand. Like, why are you not telling your folks to eat, stop eating meat? But anyway, that could be a, a, another topic, too. So I definitely take that same approach. And it's, it's funny because. Like if you work in a corporation that has like benefits and all that kind of things, you always see those person worrying about, okay, well, what my benefits are going to be like, or is it going to cover this and then cover that? I'm like, I wish they don't have to charge me for that kind of, they don't have to take the way down from my paycheck, for example, because like, I don't need that. I wish I had that additional income coming in and I can worry that into, let's say, buy better food for myself, buy more organic food and things in that nature, instead of focusing on, on, on you know, what doctor I'm going to get bit pissing in. And, and listen, like I, I, I recently started doing a project for a corporation and they, um, and they offer employees uh, a percentage discount is they go do like a yearly checkup. And then some of the things that they need to do is kind of like exercise and all the things that eat better, you know, make sure that the weight level and the body fat is a certain percentage. I'm like, all the things that I've been doing for many years now, 
this is now a corporation starting to incorporate this because they know that one of the biggest uh, expense for them is medical. Right. Uh, right. So it's easier. You can show them, teach them how can they be healthier by having better choices with their food instead of, well, you know, um, I'm going to give you an incentive if you are. I mean, it's a start, but I think they could do a better job in that sense. I think this is the kind of things that we are now doing with this kind of um, projects and helping people kind of like bring more awareness. I think that's that's one of the keys here is bring more awareness. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, I mean, look, the the, the doc. I mean, I, I hate to sound cynical. Uh, yeah. You know, the doctor business is a business. Yes. It doesn't. It doesn't help them positively. Right. To be healthy. Yeah, I happen True. to think that they want to keep you alive, mm-hmm. but not necessarily healthy because you know then they don't have anybody to treat. Yeah, you know that those are th- these are underlying things that, like I said before, when you start peeling back the onion. You start to realize, you start to connect things. And you're like, well, that's the reason why they do it that way. That's the reason why the first thing they do is 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 prescribe medicine instead of diet because there's no money in telling you, hey, listen, why don't you just stop eating meat? And by the way, everything that we're talking about, all the diseases that are known to man, mm-hmm. the heart disease, the cancers, it's been scientifically shown that it's diet related as of 70 years ago. Oh, yeah. Not, nothing new. The whole world knows that the food that you eat can harm you. I mean, that's where that whole expression comes from. The, um, you know, everything in moderation <laughs> is reasonable. Okay. Right, 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 that, right. That, that phrase alone suggests that what you're eating is bad for you. Because why would you need to eat it in moderation? Exactly. Right. If, if it was good for you, you should be able to eat it in abundance and nothing ever happens to you. Right. So that's all the brainwashing. Look, I'm going to tell you a story about a, uh-huh. a friend of mine. My best friend is a guy named Chuck Lugay. Chuck Lugay was a vegan before I was. Okay. Okay. Part of the reason why I started gravitating that way. And Chuck started doing these things and he started seeing all the health benefits. And, and then he fell off the trail. Okay. Mm. He went from being a vegan to being a non-vegan uh, because of his job. He was out entertaining you know, Wall Street type of people, and they're always going to steakhouses and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, Chuck had a heart attack. Mm. Okay. Um, And in the hospital, he decided that he was going to commit to being a vegan. What's funny is the thing that that stands out to me about the story is when he was in the hospital, just had a heart attack. The first meal they gave him was beef lasagna. (laughs) You know, even he was like, this is crazy. This can't be. So, he decided to go full force again and become a vegan altogether. Now the whole family is vegan. He reversed his heart disease. Mm. He reversed it. Yeah, the doctors told him, they're like, we don't know what you're doing, but you reversed it. Now, here's the kicker, though. Because it's a business, he's never not going to be a heart patient. Mm. Whenever he goes to the doctor, even though he has no signs of, of any cardiac issues, it's like it never happened. He's always going to be tagged that way because they make more money. If they tag you that way, they get to charge you, you know, a higher premium in insurance. You know, all the medicines that will get prescribed, I'm sure will come through um, a doctor's P&L. You know, all these things happen. And that's, that's the reality of it, of it is. And, and, and he, could, he, he avoids all that just by not eating all the stuff that, you know, normal people eat. Right. Yeah. So it's, simple, yeah, Roger. It's so simple. I know. 
I know. I know it is. And, and I mean, I can see the passion in you is that I appreciate that. And we, we really love that part of it. And you know, it's, it's crazy because um, I was just recently read an article, which kind of piggyback to what you was talking about, which is the seven out of the 10 causes of death in the U.S. Uh, and this is an actual statistic and I'll, I'm a reference down below so people can actually read it. Um, seven out of 10 are causes of death I buy our causes by uh, the food that we eat, especially yeah. of course animal product, high protein animal product. Seven out of the ten, and the ones that are not like accidents. You know, I mean, of course, it's nothing that is <laughs> your accidents. I mean, there's nothing to do with food related, right? Might not necessarily be, and it's one of them. And um, someone has like respiratory issues. It could be like smoking and stuff like that. And even though that you are a smoker, um, if you have let's say a plant based lifestyle you have less chances of dying. Um, I'm not saying you won't die, but it, you, it will prolong your death just because you, your health is, at least in that aspect, is healthier. Um, but that's one of them and so and so forth. So it, it's crazy that seven out of the 10 are related to food. Like you say, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, obesity, and so on. And, and we kill still promoting this type of the food is like I say, it's a, it's a business behind it. And, and oh, we, yeah. have, like, we have to strip that out. So be able to understand and people, people, you're not going to get that message directly from some sources. So you have to get it for indirect sources, people that are outside the matrix. This is mm-hmm. the people that are actually giving you the real information. And there's no excuses now because there's tons of documentary, there's tons of podcasts, there's tons of YouTube videos, there's tons of information out there. Of course, not all information is good information. That's the other side of it. But get the right information, get the right articles, get the right um, quotes, you know, get the right sources and then just just do it. Like you say, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. No. And there's a there's a lot of misinformation in the marketplace. I see it because my uh, here I'll give you an example. My sister mm-hmm. is one of these CrossFit fanatics. Okay? okay. And she is I say the word fanatic in a loving way. She can scale a mountain okay, with her bare hands mm-hmm. at fit. But she's unhealthy because she eats, you know, she eats the typical power lifter and all this animal protein. Now, I had this conversation with her not that long ago. She was referring to animal protein and how she needs it to create muscle and all that. And I said, you know, the, the very idea that you're saying animal protein means to me that you haven't read anything. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as animal protein. Okay? The only things in the world that make protein are plants. They take oxygen and nitrogen out of the air. They put it together. They make amino acids. And then the animals that we eat, not we eat, that people eat, right. absorb the protein from the plants. So when you kill that cow, okay, and eat the flesh, you're taking in recycled plant protein. And you're inviting all the issues, whether it's, whether it's simple issues, whether something is organic or not organic, you're taking it in. Right, whether it's pesticides in the grass or not, you're taking it in. You're taking in all the bad variables that come with eating animal flesh for the sake of protein. And pro- there's no difference in protein. Protein is protein. It's a chemical formula. So why would you invite all that disease? And the only reason you, the only reason you would invite all that disease is because someone else told you who you think is successful in what they do, that that's how they do it. And of course, the keto diets happen, and the Atkins diet of the nineteen of the nineteen nineties happened. All these diets are horrendous for you. But you know, the one key focus is is that it's high protein, no carbohydrates, which is the 
opposite of what you should be eating. It's, I know. It's be crazy. Carbohydrates. That's what your body needs. Your body doesn't yeah. even keep it. I mean, it keeps it, obviously, if you eat too many, like anything else. If, you, if your calorie count is higher than what you burn, you're going to get fat. Of course. But the reality of it is you can have twice as much rice as you want. Your body's going to burn it off. It's not going to keep it. And people, it's, 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 it's backwards. What they think is backwards. Yeah. How can you possibly think if, if the only nutrients that, that an animal has is iron and recycled plant protein, why would you think that's nutritious? <laughs> when if you compare it to a potato, a potato has enough protein for the whole day. It has carbohydrates. It has... It has um, fiber. It has all these things. Nothing has to be fried, but you can fry it. It's not going to kill you if you fry it. But, you know, it, and you can eat. I mean, I think a potato is 100 calories. I mean, I, I dare you to eat 10 potatoes and, and, and make 1,000 calories. See if you can do it. Sure. Everything lines up, whichever way you slice it, to the simplicity of eating plants. Yeah. And there's a business involved with telling people that that's wrong. And the, and the brainwashing exists all the way in, into hospitals, okay? Like when I was doing my research, this was kind of a shock to me, but now I understand it because I've looked into it quite a bit. So at the Mayo Clinic, and don't quote me, it might be a different hospital, but I'm pretty sure it's the Mayo Clinic. They, had, they, they specialize in heart disease and, uh, and, and understanding cardiac arrest and all that stuff. <laughs> they had to invent the diet for people who had heart problems, right? In order to be able to continue to live. The guy that invented the diet, his name, his, the doctor's name slips my mind, but he's a vegan. Okay. And he, and he created this diet, a vegan diet for people at the Mayo Clinic, but the board of doctors at the hospital, I think that's how it planned. It panned out said that you wouldn't be able to feed that diet to people because they, they think that it doesn't have any protein in it. So the guy was forced against his better judgment to put in at least 10% of the calories that you eat to be some kind of animal flesh. When he knows it doesn't, it's not required, but he did it in order to sell it, in order to be able to say, okay, it's, you know, it's mostly plants, but you're going to have a little bit in there. Right. Well, look, if that's the case, that's, that's the whole premise of, of what I talk about. If that 10% number, that little thing gives you the comfort to think that you're healthier because you're eating it, then eat it in a different form. Okay, you can eat. There's plenty of, of imitation chicken that's made out of wheat. You would never know the difference. You know, my, we feed my little boy, my, my, my 17-month-old, chicken nuggets. They're not chicken. They're made of soy. You can't tell the difference. That's right. I've given it to people. They have no Yeah. The, the, so, only, the, only, the, only, the only say something when you tell them it's vegan. Otherwise, they have no idea. No idea. I mean, I mean, gosh, sorry. No idea. And they'll tell you it's the best meal they ever had. <laughs> And you go, yeah, and there wasn't a drop of meat in it. And they're like, no, it can't be. <laughs> of course it has it, you know? But that's, 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 you know, I hate to use the word ignorant. It's not ignorance. It's just yeah. knowing. Not knowing. Yeah. I think that if people, if people know, and if you can present, like if I gave anybody, any skeptic, a plate of my food, I would bet that they'd walk away saying, you know what, maybe I should consider doing this. Mm. Not so bad. For me, there's no difference. I mean, at this point, I've I've even lost my taste for animal products altogether. Like I can, I can smell it. Like I don't know if this happened to you. Like if when I'm at work at the bank, and someone needs a, a plate of buffalo wings in front of me, 
I can smell the feathers on the bird at this point. Like I can smell the animal. Yeah. And that's because your palate changes, your body changes. Correct. Receiving your body starts to tell you, you know, listen, I, I don't think that that's something we should be eating. Smell it. You know, that that's nothing. You can't control that. It just yeah. happens. And that's not just me, but everybody who I've, you know, that I speak to that's a vegan or vegetarian, um, they experience the same thing. So it's definitely something biological that occurs in your body. Um, all the changes that occur, I mean, I'm sure you experience them too. Like your skin gets better automatically. Your hair gets better. People tell you, what are you doing with your hair? You're like, nothing. I just stopped eating hair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? They tell you all the time, you look better, you look thinner. I haven't lost a pound. You look better. All right, well, there's something going on, right? Your teeth get better. You sleep better. I mean, everything lines up. Why wouldn't you want that? I have another friend. Okay, this is how crazy people are. This is how how brainwashed the public is. I have a friend, his wife is, she has some kind of condition. I think it has mm -hmm. her um, gallbladder or something. It got to the point where the doctor, her doctor said, listen, you're, at some point you're going to have to become a vegetarian or a vegan because the, pro the animal products that you're eating are affecting you. Mm. It's a big controversy. Mm -hmm. my, my, my friend was telling me, he's like, I don't think we can become vegan. You're going to have to deal with the disease. I'm like, what? Deal with the disease? <laughs> and I mean, not uh, try <laughs> you know it's incredible and it happens all the time so you rather die so you literally you rather die than make small changes to your diet that right. was going to allow you to live longer live healthier have all these other benefits but you don't you rather die because you really 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 can't make this change in your life That's crazy. Oh, and, and, and the crazy thing is, it's not just me saying it. It's yeah. you, know, you research it. It's real people saying it, doctors saying it. Yeah. You got to find them, obviously. But yeah. they're out there and they, and they say it. And, and, and people are just so, they just don't care. They, you know, I, I have personal friends of mine. Well, I, I'd rather live 10 less years. Uh-huh. I hear that. Say that now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But why would you want to be sick the entire time and then yeah. die of something that you didn't have to die from? Yeah. You know, I, I know... Older vegetarians through my job. I mean, I've I've met people who are 90 plus years clear in their heads. I've met, gosh, I mean, in the past 10 years, I've probably met people over a hundred, I'd say at least 11 people over a hundred. And there's a common factor, even if they're not vegetarian, they tell you more or less what they eat, and you can decipher mm. the grand majority of what they eat is not an animal product. Mm. And that's why they're living. I mean, unbeknownst to them, they're living much better just because they, you know, they, they, they don't like chicken anymore or, or whatever. I think at some point your body just starts rejecting the food right. um, and you look for alternatives. I mean, you, you've heard of people all of a sudden overnight becoming allergic to eggs. Well, how does that happen? I think that's your body saying, you know what? You, I can't do you. Yeah. you know, I think that's what happens. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's, it's very easy for me. It was very easy for my wife very easy for anybody that wants to do it you know i don't, I don't see any problems to segue into that right so tell us how your book because you mentioned it's a step-by-step -step guide how, how do how does a step-by-step -step guide help you to transition into a, a vegan lifestyle or, or at least into a, eating a plant-based diet well it's a step-by-step -step process because it's the whole cuisine of cuba in a hundred recipes okay 
I have appetizers, I have soups, I have what used to be chicken um, recipes, what used to be beef recipes. All of the recipes are the same recipe. All the spices are the same. Everything is the same with the exception of the protein that you put in there. Now, I'm of the opinion, and I don't think I'm wrong, that animal products don't taste like anything until you put sasong on them, right? They taste nothing. You have to salt them. You have to put pepper on them. You have to cook them with other things or else chicken doesn't taste like anything. Well, if that's the case, then you're just eating an animal for the sake of eating it. Right, 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 right. You can put in cauliflower. You can put in, you know, seitan. You can put in soy curls. And you wouldn't know the difference. I mean, unless someone told you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, well, I mean, the soy curl doesn't look exactly like meat. So you'd be suspicious of it. But at the end of the day, flavor-wise, you're not losing anything. And it's satisfying. So, you know, the real question is, if you can eat well and be satisfied and do it through a book that shows you how to do it. I mean, I, I put every ingredient in here, every step. Every recipe is the way my grandmother made it, okay? If you follow this book, and you don't have to use it every single day, but if I, I, I promise you that if you, if you look into it, you might, you'll eat well every day. Mm-hmm. And I have probably another 200 recipes that I excluded because it would take me 10 years to write the book, <laughs> which is 100. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think if you make it easy for people, and they can see that they're not giving up anything as far as flavor goes and being satisfied. I think it's a natural, you know, shift. But, you know, you got to be aware of it. Like when I started, I didn't know what seitan was. Yeah, you know, right. Realized that that was wheat gluten. Right. right. I didn't know that soy can be made into ground beef. I didn't know soy can be made into strips. I didn't know right. the possibilities with all this stuff until you start experimenting. Yeah. Start to, when you, once you start making these meals and you're like, huh, that's very close. That's super close to, to what the pork rendition is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make mushrooms taste like pork mm-hmm. if you want pork, you know? So my book, I think my book really is, uh, I was telling this to a buddy of mine. I don't think I wrote it so much for vegans. If you're, if you're a vegan, you already understand the benefits of what you're doing. Okay, it's it's those people in the middle. Those mm. people like, I probably shouldn't eat like this, but I don't know how to do it the other way. I don't know. Like, I don't want to. I had one person tell me, look, I can't spend my life pushing kale in an artichoke on a plate. And <laughs> that who wants to eat like that? Nobody right. wants to eat like that. Right, right, right. Right. And you don't have to. Yeah. You know, I can make you a caldo gallego that will knock your socks off. Mm. You know? Be satisfied. I mean, I make videos on TikTok. I don't know if you looked at my TikTok. Mm-hmm. I make a video every weekend. It's the food that I actually cook. Granted, the protection value is not that great because it's just me holding a camera and talking. Right. But these are the real meals that I make. And you see in the videos that it's a giant pot of food. Mm-hmm. Well, I always list the price of the ingredients, 7 or $8. You have this giant healthy meal that I have a big family. So... I have to cook large things. You don't necessarily have to. I mean, there's, you can always scale back the recipes, but the point is, it's just, it's just, it's just the, the, if you have the knowledge and, ha- and, and you do it the right way, you're not giving up anything. If anything, you're enhancing your life and you're enhancing the life of other people. 
And I, you know, I'm not going to say that that's the reason why I wrote the book. The reason I wrote the book were, was, I would say, selfish reasons. I, I wanted, I love my grandmother, and I love my past, and I love that I'm Cuban, and I love the, the way I grew up, and I love the food mm. I eat, and I love the culture. I love all these things. And when I was told that I had to walk away from that, mm. of dietary reasons, it affected me. I didn't want to. I was like, there's got to be a way that I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just did it. I did it recipe by recipe. And then I started to realize I'm brainwashed. I think, like everybody else, that you can't make it taste like pork unless it's pork. You can't make it taste like this unless it's fish. And that's not true. And there's, you know, look, I even have vegetarian recipes in my book. Not because I believe in the use of animal products. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to appeal to a broader audience. Right, right, right. Because like what I said, I, you know, if you're a vegan, you already, you already know. Yeah. yeah. To acquire, right? Right. But if you're not vegan, if you're in the middle and I say, look, I can make you, you know, I can make you a steak out of something else and you're not going to feel bad eating it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a conversation there, right? Just mm-hmm. to open people's minds up and go, I never realized you can do that. I didn't realize that there was this product that you can buy. It, it imitates meat. And then, you know, if you, if you get one out of 100 people, well, that's hey. one more person that right. not going to kill an animal, is not going to, you know, worry about their health anymore. I don't know. It just seems easy to me. It, you know, that's kind of how I got to the book. And, of course, as I wrote the book, you know, it was nice to write the book because I don't know if you've ever written anything. When you write something, it kind of writes itself because you start thinking about where I was when I ate this meal, you know, how my grandmother did it. And, you know, you start thinking about all the details of your past and you're like, okay, this is refreshing to go back in time and go, this is where I came from. Here I am now. And look at, look at all the things she taught me. Right. It's, it's like, I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But I don't know. That's, that's, that's how I got to it. Uh, and, you know, I, I like to make it as successful as possible, um, really more for her than, than me. I mean, I, I, you know, I, everybody's grandmother's special to them. Right. My grandmother, I mean, if, if you know anything about how Cuba went from capitalism to communism, they got thrown out of the country. Yeah, they had to leave. And, you know, the, the only connection to that old world of all these people that are now dead that I love so much, all these people who had the same values. They were all, you know, free people who were Catholic living in an Island paradise, never wanting to leave. No one wanted to leave Cuba. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she kept that connection to old Cuba through the food mm-hmm. and through the food. People would come to the house. Like on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, you're Panamanian. You, you, you obviously you do Buena Noche, right? Everybody does Buena Noche if you're Spanish. Mm-hmm. The whole house is full of people. To eat oh, yeah. roast, to eat all the traditional foods that we had, it all brought us together. Right. Those moments, those political refugees got to feel what it was like before they had to leave. And all that is very special to me. Right. Lived it. I mean, you know, I was born here, but I'm an indirect victim of communism. Right. I mean, if it wasn't communist, I'd still be there probably. Or we'd That's be right. in places, I would imagine. But, you know, that that is lost. 
that whole thing has been taken away. And it's awful because the people that were there before that happened were great people. Hmm. Not all of them. I mean, every country has its problems, but I think the culture was great. And the people in my family, I always admired. And I always thought that they were, that they were model citizens of what you would expect people to be. You know, Spanish people in general, I think, are more, what's the word I'm looking for? Educado in Spanish. Educated, yeah. There's a culture. Knowledge, yeah. There's a thing that we do that's different than a lot of cultures. Okay, we're a very um, accepting type of people. Yeah, You know, You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something very different about being Latino. And a lot of that, like we spoke before, a lot of it comes through food. You know, in my house, even though we may have been a, a family of six, there was always food enough to feed 12 people because yeah. you never knew coming over. Right, you know? right, right, right. And you can do the same thing, you know, in, in a vegetarian or vegan form. Right. It really is refreshing. Like You would think, I wish there was a pill that I can give someone and say, instead of making the sacrifice of, of 30 days of not eating animal protein, take this, <laughs> take this. How you feel. That's how it, exactly how you feel. And you tell <laughs> me it makes sense to do it. <laughs> but there is no pill, right? So you just have to try to convince people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's one thing that I always tell, like in our culture. Um, like if, if you go to, if you go visit me in Panama or you go visit my mom, the first thing they're going to offer you after welcoming to your house is food. Food plays a big yep. role. So like when, when a Latino give you food, it's like, we like you. It's like, welcome to our home. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that's how important food is to us. That's why we always want to preach to you guys that, or communicate or educate you guys that, yeah, we want to definitely have you guys eat healthier and live longer. And a plant-based lifestyle, we allow you to have this, along with so many other benefits. Of course, we all know that it's good for the plant and good for the animals. But at the same time, is we want to also mention that it's going to be good for your health. So why not do it? Just give it a try. Just just try for a little yeah. bit. We're talking to those vegan curious, people that are interested, those meat place Monday type of persons. Yeah, you started mm -hmm. Monday. Okay, now do Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's let's go. I mean, you got race book, give you step-by-step -step guys, several recipes. So now you can say, well, you know, I'm Cuban, I cannot eat that. Or you know, there's there's this all these all these meals that you got is you guys eating lettuce and salad and kale all day all along. <laughs> well, no, that's not necessarily how it is. Hey, listen, I I, I have like three vegetables that I eat. Yes, I'm vegan for that many years. I have like three or four vegetables I eat. I eat broccoli, I like spinach, I like kale, and I asparagus. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, I eat tomato. I don't even know if tomato is a fruit or if a vegetable. I mean, that's just a whole thing now. But at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> fruit uh, is vegetable, whatever the case is. So, I mean, From, from a Latino standpoint, we put it as a vegetable anyway. So tomato goes in the vegetable side now, but they say it's a fruit. Exactly. Anyway, uh, so I have like my, my go-to um, choices. So I find the food within my diet that I love and I like. And I say to them, of course, especially when, you know, the more profound, the more knowledge I'm getting about health-wise, I start making better choices. But if you start it, I mean, come on now, just, just get in. Just get your food in, get your feet wet transition by using some of the alternative out there, you know, replace cow milk for soy milk. Oh, I don't like soy milk. Okay. There's rice milk, almond milk, there's hemp milk. I mean, it's just so it's like 15, 20 type of milk. 
well, I cannot get it where I live. Well, you know, you can make it your own too, right? <laughs> I mean, we can go on and yeah. on going through all the different objections that you might have and we can find an alternative is how bad do you want to make this change in your life? How bad do you want it? How, do you just a need for it? And if you do have a need for it, you definitely will be able to get Ray's book. It's a perfect help. You can watch tons of video. He shows how to do this recipe. There's a lot of information out there. With that said, Ray, where can people find your book? My book is on Amazon.com. Okay. Uh, the title, let me just put it up there. Yep. It's delicious. It is, it's it's delicious. It's vegan. It's Cuban. Okay. I wrote it. Um, I'm a... I'm not a professional writer. I did my best. Um, the recipes are authentic. Look, there's there's something that you have to realize is happening, which I don't know how to describe it. But so I think of my book as a vegan cookbook, and I know that these food recipes are delicious. That's my my mental definition of what vegan food should be. Mm -hmm. Lots of people who are not vegan and who are not vegetarian, when they hear the word vegan or vegetarian, they automatically think of kale shakes and things that are in popular culture that may not be so appetizing. Right. Okay. Eating a smoothie, I don't think tempts anybody to, to, to become it. That's because that's the mindset. That's how they. That's how they've been. Well, that's how been, they've been marketed to. Right. right. I'm saying, forget all that. You want to. You want to have the kale shake habit. You want to eat well. Start looking at recipes like this. Right. And I. I did some research. I mean, honestly, all the vegan books that I see. That was part of the reason why I wrote my book. I couldn't see myself eating these things, like you know, a thousand soup recipes and. You know, a, a book about cauliflower steaks. I mean, I'm sure that there's merits to it and I'm sure it's delicious, but I'm sure it's not as good as having, you know, arroz con frijoles, platanos fritos, maduros, all this food that lends itself to just being vegan. And it's so satisfying. I mean, even though it's maybe not your culture specifically, it's undeniable that it's delicious. And you don't have to, I guess I'm trying to shape how people envision vegan food. Right. And I, I think that's kind of my goal. And I think I personally feel that if you can present it in a way where people eat it because it's, it tastes very close to what the, the animal protein, you know, sister is, then the change should be easy and you would attract more people. Now, and it also has, there's also other benefits, right? I mean, if, if more people eat less animals and obviously there's less animal cruelty, there's less farming, there's less of all the problems that occur in, in the ecosystem, right? I don't think, I read your bio. I know that you, you became a vegan uh, because of the animal cruelty and that's, that's fine. I think that that's a harder argument to make to people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that people have a selfish nature go, well, look, I don't, I don't even know the cow. So why would I care that they kill it? Right. Yeah. Or the way it's presented to them. I mean, look, you know, when, when you go to McDonald's and you buy a hamburger, it doesn't come out with, with horns. It comes out wrapped in a little perfect round thing. And yeah. you don't even associate that that's an animal. Yeah. That's marketing. So to try to 
unconvince people that that's not okay is harder, in my opinion, than saying, look, if you eat that, at some point in your life, may not be now, it may not be 10 years from now, it's going to catch up to you and it's going to affect your health. And you're going to sit down with a doctor and they're going to say, hey, look, you're 40, you need this blood pressure medication, you need this for cholesterol, you need that, and now you have five or six pills that you got to take because of your refusal to experiment with things that don't affect your health. And I think that's a more convincing argument. I think if you appeal to people's selfish nature and say, look, it's not about the pig, it's about you. You want to live well, you want to live happily, you want to live without the burden of, of being afraid that oh, maybe I shouldn't have that hot dog because my cholesterol is 300 and that could be the last hot dog I eat. I think it's just, it's a simpler thing. Do it for your health. Look, my aunt, who's 70 now, 72, I think. <clears throat> I convinced her eight years ago. <clears throat> she helped me with the, uh, with the book. She was suffering from the cholesterol medicine. It was hurting her joints. She was miserable. I said, look, just try it for 30 days. Just do it for 30 days. See what happens. And you reminded me because she was, she was like, well, I can't drink my cafe con leche without leche. I'm like, of course you can. Milk doesn't even taste like anything. Put whatever you want in there. Oat milk, whatever the case is, it all tastes the same. And, you know, long story short, in 30 days, her cholesterol dropped 90 points. You know, first time in her life. See? And then she started to realize that it helped her health. And then she grabbed on. Right? I want people to have that, that eureka moment, that light bulb where they go, Wow. I can still eat well, not worry about my health. I think that's probably the most important thing in the world. Like you said, you don't go to the doctor because you don't feel sick. I don't go to the doctor either. I'm never sick. I never have a cold. I never get the flu. Gladly, I haven't gotten any COVID or anything. But it's, you know, a lot of that is your diet. If you're unhealthy, you're unhealthy in every capacity, not just what you eat and your blood pressure and all that stuff, every aspect of your body is unhealthy. You suppress your own immune system by the foods you eat. Think about that. And that's known. That's a, a, it's a fact. And we still do it anyway. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, you know, it's intriguing to me because I'm on the other side and I'm like, I guess I used to think that way because I didn't know any better. And I try to remember that, right? Because you can get angry with people that don't oh, agree yeah. with you. It's never a good idea, but you can. You can go, oh, look, you, this guy is stupid. He doesn't even understand what I'm trying to say to him. And I got to think back and go, oh, I was that guy <laughs> 12 years ago, whatever it was. Right, right. And someone had to teach me, which was that doctor lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, made, you took action also. I mean, um, now that you talk about this, I, wa I want to talk to you about it. Like, um, I know... Yes, it's true. I initiated in the veganism world um, through the animal welfare aspect of it, right? And that's what made, uh, that's how I made the connection and I was able to stay vegan for that long. However, I was introduced to veganism from a health standpoint. But when I, when the, it was, the thing is like my, in my story, when I was introduced to veganism, I was quote unquote healthy. So I didn't feel like, what do I need to do now? to even be healthier when I'm already healthy. So that for me is like, I don't see the need for it. That's why in my, my connection was different. I needed something else to like 
hit me so I can be like, oh, okay, and then start figuring it out. I'm not saying that that's a right or good approach, right? Everybody has a different way. I'm glad that I'm glad that you just got started. The the challenge that I hear a lot of, and in this, in the challenge that I get a lot of from a lot of like, um, they say plan based, hopeful plan based people versus the the uh, animal uh, right activists, for example, that are are vegan is that they feel like when you do veganism or when you do plant-based from a health standpoint, once you reach to a health level, then you forget about veganism, you go back to your old ways. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what they say. Okay, well, like, because a lot of people say, I just want to reboot my system. Well, I just want to be healthier for, you know, so I can drop my, my cholesterol level. So once they reach to that point, it's like, okay, forget about this. Let me go back to my old habit. So it's like you don't stay, you don't stick to it. So that's why a lot of they get frustrated because they don't really see the, the whole point of doing it. So, I mean, yes, it, it, it was a momentary thing probably for some, but if you're smart enough to see that you got so much benefit in that period of time, let's say you do a 30 day challenge and you saw so right if you, why you don't want to continue those benefits? That's where the that's that's where the the selfishness need to kick in. And say no, no, no. I want to continue improving my health more than just thirty days. I want to take it to longer than that, right? And then you stick to your life because yeah, just like you was able to revert or get some good progress in thirty days. Uh, what do you think is going to happen after those thirty days? You go back to your old habit. You're gonna go back to square one. I mean, just like just like that. It's like it's creating new habits paradigms you just you have to create new habit and create a new habit because now for me veganism is so natural like i don't even think like i'm doing something weird for a lot of people does that make sense mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are like man you're vegan like it's like big shock and and i'm like yeah you're not <laughs> i'm in my mind they're like what why yeah you're not and then the questions start and you know like i was talking to a co-worker yesterday and she was asking me like you know, it's a typical question, right? You know, it first started like, wow, you're vegan. How long you been vegan? That's a, that's a first, number one question after the protein question, right? Oh, how long you been vegan? And like, man, and then she started asking me like, um, so she asked me, why are you a vegan? And said, you know, it's, it, it came down kind of like similar to what you were saying. Like I said, well, first of all, you know that the only reason why you eat protein one for one is because animal protein is because so you've been, you've been programmed that way. Then two, um, you know that all the animals that you eat, they plant-based sources you know the cow eat grass i mean yeah. the chicken eat corn so and then actually i was even i was when i was explaining this to her she was actually repeating the same things i was saying so it, that makes me feel like she knew what i was talking about she was like yeah the, the, the chicken eat corn she was like yeah she they eat corn so i said why why didn't filter your your protein source so you go straight to the source go straight to the source and she was like oh okay and it's so where do you get your protein <laughs> so so you know you know broccoli got probably more bro- more more protein than beef right and she was like broccoli and I said yeah so then you know so before you would have asked roger 10 12 years ago he would have been like ah military you're killing the animal i would have been that hardcore guy in your face that had no idea about nutrition just talking to you about it now i had taken a more subtle approach you know, yeah. um, I'm more mature into my lifestyle, so I, I can address those questions in a better way. And I know that a lot of people are just missing information. It's just completely don't know. But I know if you wanted to find that information, you can find it. Just like I did, just like you did. You did your research. You researched it for a long time before because you needed the actual fact to be able to say, hey, you know what? This is the right way to go. Once you're in, you're like, okay, this is it. How can I maneuver myself? So creating stuff like this, like books, like your book, Right, definitely. When I think it's gonna shed some light. The last question I have for you is: Does this book is in Spanish? Which 
No, it's not translated yet. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I don't have the, the vocabulary to write it in Spanish. Okay. It would take me many years. Okay. Um, I can speak Spanish. I can read Spanish, but right. my brain is wired English. Okay. I write anything. That's the first thing that comes. As a matter of fact, when I speak Spanish and, I've, and if I'm not sure about a word, it's in English first and then I translate it in my head. Got it. So, but I was told that if it sells enough, um, I think Amazon will will um, translate it. Really? Yeah, Amazon's pretty amazing with this stuff. I mean, they they put this together all by themselves. You know, I, I wrote it. You, you load up the manuscript. You pick out your your face and what you want to put, and they put it together for you. You know, it's 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 amazing. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do this without Amazon.com. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, eventually, look, I would like to think that it'll sell enough where they consider it. Um, I think my, I, I didn't write the book to make money. Mm-hmm. I wrote the book. It started off as my personal project so that I can become a vegetarian vegan. That's mm-hmm. what it is. I needed to have something that I can cook for my family, something that I can feel good about. I wrote it, I started realizing it's a tribute to my grandmother. So I was like, you know what? In this day and age, you know, I want my children to read something about, you know, where I came from. Right. And it's out there. It's, it's, it's public. Now, you know, if it becomes successful, you know, great. But that's not, I didn't read, I didn't write this to become a famous, you know, writer and, and retire from this. I, I have no expectations like that. That wasn't my intention. I, I wrote it for other people, basically. I wrote it for my family and, and, and I guess, a legacy, mm-hmm. um, especially my grandmother, because she, you know, she, she passed away too soon. And, you know, she was the, she was the kind of person, the, the traditional Cuban that cooked everything with lard. Like we had a can of lard in the freezer and she ate so un- the food was so delicious, but at the same time, so unhealthy that she, you know, she died at 64 from... Mm from a uh, colon cancer in 1987. And I remember I was 15, I was 14, I think, when I went to the doctor with my mother to, cause my grandmother didn't speak English. So we had to go there to translate. And the doctor told us right there, he said, look, what your grandmother has is a disease from eating red meat all her life. Mm. Okay, the only, and he said this to me, he said this to my mother, he said, you know, the only animals on the planet that are supposed to eat red meat are cats like tigers and lions, their, their digestive system is made for it. Mm. Everybody else gets cancer. And I was like, you know what? Why didn't you tell us this 10 years ago? Like, why yeah. am I finding out at the point of no return? You're telling me this. And then she died at 64. You know, my grandfather died a few years earlier at the same age, 64, from a stroke. I'm convinced. Now, look, I have no scientific proof. You know, I can't hand you a paper. But I'm convinced that it was diet related. Mm-hmm. You can't eat like that and expect to live beyond your 60s. And if you think about it, right, it's all it's I don't, I don't want to say it's by design and there's people with bad intentions. But it tends to be a system, right? So Social Security, when it was invented, no one expected to live past 62. Right. So they didn't pay you benefits until you were 62. Right. <laughs> And they tied that. It had to be tied to mortality tables. And mortality tables are tied to the foods you eat or the things that you do. Okay. It's no shock that if you smoke, you die sooner. That's the other thing that people don't seem to connect. 
If you take an outside thing that you're not supposed to do and bring it into your body, it brings you illness. Mm-hmm. Period. Smoking is an example of that. Drugs. The, the, the tobacco companies, you know, create enough doubt where they were like, well, you know, it may be the smoke, but okay, lots of people smoke and they don't get sick. Right. Same thing. Right. If you eat a chicken wing and, and the chicken affects your body in a bad way where you can measure it, which you can measure. It's the same thing as smoking. Right. It's the same thing. And you see it in the animal world, right? Like I had this conversation, I think a year ago with somebody. So for a while, there was a trend of cows getting cancer, right? So the meat in the supermarkets was cancerous meat. Right. And I remember saying to my friend, I bet you anything that they're feeding the cows something they're not supposed to feed them. Mm-hmm. The cows, let's face it, they eat grass. That's it. They're being forced to eat corn, which is not a natural thing for them to eat. Boom. They start developing cancer. It's not a coincidence. It isn't drugs. It isn't hormones. It's the fact that they're not eating what they're supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. People study sharks, right? Sharks don't get cancer. <laughs> sharks don't get cancer because they only eat what they're supposed to eat. They only eat other fish and the things that they were born to eat. Right. Start feeding shark cauliflower and potatoes. I guarantee you the shark will get cancer. They get sick, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's now that we're on the other side, it's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to the public. And that's, I think that's by design. I think it's a system. I think that there are, you know, powerful lobbies that, you know, want to cloud up the information to the point where you can't decipher what's real and what's not real. Like the whole organic meat thing. This kills me. The organic meat versus the non-organic meat. It's one is better poison than the other. You know? At the end of the day, and look, there's probably, some, listen, Roger, there's probably some truth to it being better for you if it's organic. Right. Some truth to it. But at the end of the day, it's going to kill you. Just right. like, exactly. Like one. But people take comfort and they'll pay more for it too. You know, they take comfort in saying, well, this is all grass-fed and this is a special kind of beef. It's, it's, it's a lie. It isn't a special kind of beef. It's going to hurt you just as badly as the normal beef. Same thing, yeah. But it's all marketing. Like the gluten-free craze that happened, what, 10 years ago? Right. I don't know this for fact, but I'm pretty sure that if I dug into the research, I'm certain that meat companies made that campaign. Uh-huh. Because gluten uh-huh. came out and said, well, we can make chicken, we can make fish, we can make all these things out of wheat. Like, what? Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. And the lobbies were like, hell no, we can't afford to let that happen. So they create this campaign about people being adversely affected by gluten. Right. It's wheat. It's the right. protein part of wheats. How can it? Right. Look, there, there's people that have celiac disease uh-huh. and eat gluten because it can hurt them. Right. But you're talking about a fragment of the population. Catch <laughs> uh-huh. up to that. And if you, if you keep looking historically, you see the same trends. Like I read an article one time about the margin, biz, the, the margarine business, right? When mar, margarine is vegetable oil, right? To make yeah. like butter. When margarine was invented back in the 50s or the 60s, the, the butter lobby in the country demanded that margarine be colored green so that it was not, you know, so it can't interfere with the marketing of butter. How can you expect any? Who's going to eat green butter spread right. butter? But that's what they do. They try to they try to eliminate the they eliminate the competition, and you see that constantly. If if you're if you're aware, if you look, you'll see it. 
And that's all other people trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Look, it's no surprise to me that public schools are, are given free food because they want to condition you from a young age to eat milk, to eat pizza, to eat cheese. Everything has cheese. You know why everything has cheese? Because cheese is free. Addictive. So much of it that the food companies just give it to them. And yeah. they, go, they eat cheese now. They're going to eat cheese 10 years from now. Right. And that's all, you know, the things that you have to overcome. Yeah. People, hey, listen, you probably shouldn't eat that because this is what's going on. Well, you know, you know how that is. I mean, it's it's brainwashing and conspiracy theories. And you're like, no, it's right in front of you. <laughs> you just have to, right. you know? Yeah, so this is right. Del Hernandez, an ex-meats eater who shares vegan Cuban dishes based on his abuelita authentic family recipe in his book. It's delicious, it's vegan, it's Cuban. Del, thank you so much, my brother. Gracias por escuchar Latino y Vegano. Un show donde se habla todo lo relacionado sobre el veganismo entre la comunidad latina. No olviden suscribirse a este podcast, seguirnos en Instagram, Facebook, YouTube y a visitarnos en latinoyvegano.com.